This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's Thursday, January the 27th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. Uh, First today, the partner of a dad-to-be from Canterbury who spent six weeks fighting for his life with COVID has thanked hospital staff who've saved him. Ollie Tool was initially taken to the QEQM in Margate after struggling to breathe in December. Well, Jamie joins me now to chat about this one and this must have been an awful time for his family, Jamie. Yes, absolutely. And his partner is currently seven months pregnant with their first baby. She's recalled how the 31-year-old felt ill the day they moved into their new home together on December 8th and tested positive for COVID. Just four days later, Cheryl called an ambulance as Ollie was struggling to breathe. He was initially in a stable condition but had to be rushed to intensive care when blood clots formed on his lungs. And he was later taken to London, is that right? Yes, he was transferred to St Thomas's after being put on a ventilator and into a coma on Boxing Day. He then needed more invasive treatment to pump oxygen into his blood and around his body. The prognosis was so dire, Cheryl was even told to travel to see him to say her goodbyes. However, two days later, surgeons carried out one final procedure to try and save Ollie and since then he started to to make slow progress. He's now slowly being woken up from his coma. I know one question that we have to ask, unfortunately, that a lot of people will be wanting to know is whether Ollie had been vaccinated. Well, Cheryl says he hadn't, but had every intention to get the jab. He kept saying, I'll do it tomorrow, which he's praised the medics who have been treating him and is hoping what's happened will encourage anyone who hasn't had a vaccine to get one. Ollie still faces a long recovery and will need to learn to walk and move his arms again. Doctors reckon he might not be able to work for several months. Jamie, thank you ever so much. We do wish Ollie and the rest of his family all the very best. And we're staying with COVID news today because rules in England have been relaxed. COVID passes are no longer compulsory to get into venues and events, while face masks are no longer required in public spaces. However, John Lewis, Tesco and Sainsbury's are among retailers asking customers and staff to carry on wearing them in stores. Going to hear from a few people on this today. First, our resident GP, Dr Julian Spinks from Stroud. We don't really know how much uh, the opening up after Christmas is making a difference. We have seen a small kick up of about 10% in the the, uh, case rate in Kent and Medway. Um, And that's probably because of schools going back, universities restarting, and possibly because there are more tests associated with that. Mm. So, yeah, I think we still have to be cautious. Omicron is definitely not going away very fast. I think if you go into somewhere, particularly indoors, where there's a lot of people you don't know, and putting a mask on is still a very useful thing to do. And I noted today that uh, Sainsbury's are talking about still recommending people wearing masks in there. Um, I think it's just really to protect yourself and protect others um, and to try and avoid the, the nightmare of us going back into some sort of plan B, plan C or plan D. So Dr Spinks is urging us to remain cautious. And in fact, the government are themselves saying they still recommend face masks in public places. But will shoppers follow the recommendation or ditch masks for good? We've been out in Maidstone and spoken to Chris Van Haften, who runs a stall in the town centre and busker Samuel Ashton. I, I like the fact that obviously... With the restriction there, hopefully a lot more people will be coming back into the high street and feel more confident because I've even noticed this week already that's starting to pick up a little bit to what it was. But that is probably because 
people are starting to feel a little bit less intimidated, especially the older people I'm talking about more, you know, there's a few faces that I've seen this week that haven't been in town really for a couple of years now on, so hopefully things will get back to a bit of normality in the next mm. couple of days. I don't have any feelings whatsoever because I don't have any faith or trust in anything that the government says. They might say that today and uh, tomorrow something different. For example, pre-Christmas, there were lots and lots of events being cancelled for no other reason other than the fact that people weren't buying tickets and people weren't buying tickets because they were being made to feel scared about the Omicron virus. Some of it also comes down to um, the individual and their decision making and for example one venue that I went to try and go into in London they were requesting people had a vaccine so a negative test result was not efficient wasn't enough and that was purely down to the choice of the uh, venue owner. It's also been announced today there won't be a limit to the number of visitors care home residents in England can have from next Monday. It also means people can go on day trips without needing to test for Covid when they come back. Nadra Ahmed is from the Medway-based National Care Association. I think we cautiously welcome it. We know that these are things that have to happen. Um, I think it's always going, it was always going to be the timing of it and um, uh, from what we understand, the scientists feel this is the right time. I think there will be some challenges for us as a sector, um, which there would be at any time as you lift yourself out of a pandemic, uh, which actually still is around. Um, the virus hasn't gone away, but we can't carry on in the way that we've been doing because it has an impact on the um, mental well-being of the people we care for and actually also has a tremendous effect on our staff as well who are trying to do all things to be all things to all people um, so I think you know there's a cautious optimism but there are some huge challenges ahead. Elsewhere, health bosses in Kent have revealed a fourth dose of coronavirus vaccine is going to be made available on the NHS. The top-up will be given to the most vulnerable health groups with some 5 to 11-year-olds also eligible from next week. It comes as mass vaccination centres are expected to be stood down across the county because staff need to be redeployed to other areas. And finally, on COVID today, an update on that long-awaited Sue Gray report into alleged lockdown breaking parties at Downing Street. It's understood it still hasn't been handed to number 10 because the senior civil servant is going through it with lawyers and HR. They need to decide how much could indeed be shared publicly while police start a criminal investigation. Yesterday, Boris Johnson appeared to say that if he's found to have misled Parliament, which he insists he hasn't, then he would resign. Well, we've been asking shoppers in Rochester if, based on all of that, they still respect the government. The amount of respect I'd have uh, wanes each moment that they don't decide to sack him the more they let this drag on i think the more it's gonna hurt them in public opinion it's a shame it's a shame because i think he's done very well um i would like to see him stay and can and finish what he started yes he may have broken the rules and i'm sure once this this report comes out it, he'll get a 60 pound fine and he's right he should deserve it if he's broken the rules but does it make him a bad prime minister definitely not there's a, a 
sequence of parties and events that clearly took place and it's beyond belief that people who lived in Downing Street didn't know what was happening in Downing Street. The rest of us had to stick to the rules. Well, that question was asked on the lowdown on our Facebook Live last night. You can still watch the episode in full and leave a comment by heading to our Facebook page. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and police have confirmed a man has died after they closed part of the M20 and M26 yesterday. Officers were called to concerns for a man's welfare near the motorway between Rootham and Laybourne at about eight in the morning. We're told the death is not being treated as suspicious and his family have been told. A man's been taken to hospital in a potentially serious condition following a fire at an outbuilding in Strood. Paramedics treated him at the scene of the blaze on Cuxton Road yesterday afternoon before taking him to Medway Maritime. Firefighters spent around two hours tackling the flames. A grieving mum has been told to remove tributes to her son from the side of a road in Herne Bay because the council say they're a hazard to drivers. Flowers have been tied to railings on Bullockstone Road since the death of 32-year-old Lee Harlow last August. After initially saying they weren't a problem, Kent County Council now want the site cleared by the end of next month. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told how technology is increasingly being used by domestic abusers to monitor, threaten and humiliate their victims, according to experts at the University of Kent, where researchers found more and more cases involving spyware to track partners or exes, fake accounts being set up or stalking via social media maps. Their report also says children are increasingly being involved in cases, particularly where parents have separated. Dr. Jason Nurse has been telling Ish what he found most concerning. What actually probably surprised me the most is the actual amount of tools that are actually uh, tools and software and apps and so on that are actually available online actually being marketed specifically towards um, spying on partners, tracking partners, tracking spouses. And these are available on kind of main platforms. And for me, it's, it was actually surprising how easy it was to go online and find some tool that's specifically marketed towards um, spying or a spouse, spying your partner, tracking their movements, attaching GPS to their cars, uh, you know, small little cameras that you can, um, that are hidden in micro, that are hidden in lights, that are hidden in teddy bears, are all marketed towards actually tracking and uh, one spouse and kind of spying on one spouse. I think that for me was the most surprising finding. Yeah, I mean, we have so much technology, social media at our disposal, designed, we'd like to think for the most part, for good purposes. But then this just demonstrates yeah. that equally they are dangerous and how easily they can be manipulated. Yeah, com- completely agree. Um, I think we always need to remember that there are, uh, on one hand, they're kind of legitimate tools that can can be used, you know, for good, and in many situations can be used for good. I think the the tricky part with with domestic abuse, which is why it's so so serious and so worrying, is that at one moment, so, you know, someone can be a, a close friend, a, a partner, um, you know, a highly trusted individual, potentially live with them together, and so on. But then, for, ev- for whatever relationship, for whatever reason, if that relationship breaks down or if the, the other partner, the, the perpetrator is actually abusive, this kind of, let's say, elevated, elevated access can actually be used for, for harm to stop the individual and so on. I think these are the, the situations where it's you know really worrying because it's really difficult to give guidance around this and it's difficult for people to respond to where, where a partner is actually kind of, you know, misuses a heating system. Or let's say the, the person has a smart lock involved in their home uh, on, their, on their front door and the, the perpetrator actually locks them out or locks them in. You know, all these are kind of ways in which new forms of technology are actually presenting a real issue when it comes to domestic abuse. So how could we go about tackling these cases? 
Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. And there are different things that can be done. Um, one is is just the fact that, especially when you're in a, if you're in an abusive relationship, of course, try to reach out to someone. That's probably the first thing to do. There are many different charities involved. And reach out to someone. Let someone know what's going on, even if you think it might not be abuse. But you're, you know, you're witnessing a pattern of events that that just seem a little bit strange, a little bit overreaching. You know, reach out to the various charities that are available. Um, and, and, and try to kind of communicate your, your situation and get some guidance, get some advice. I think in addition to that, what we also recommend, especially if you know relationship has broken down, is do things like change all the passwords for, for accounts that you, you want shared, right? And also don't choose passwords that they might actually be able to, to guess quite easily. So for instance, if you're in a relationship with a partner, the relationship breaks down, uh, your password was based on your children's name and date of birth or something like this. Maybe change that because that's something that they can quite easily guess. They can get access to your accounts and they might change it. They might lock you out and different things such as that. I also suggest even be a little bit more mindful of kind of um, uh, people wearing gifts. So, for instance, you know, this this estranged partner, this potential abuser, you know, gives you a, a teddy bear or gives gives a child a teddy bear to, to bring to your home. You know, if, you, if you're separated, you know, be a little bit cautious of that, because for, for all we know, these days, the teddy bear might contain a microphone. It might contain a, a, um, a video recorder, a camera. These are some of the, these are the types of attacks that we're seeing. These are the types of uh, threats we're seeing, crimes that we're seeing. Um, I think those are some of the kind of main things, um, really changing passwords simply because of the wide access that can allow and just being a little bit more mindful of what's going on. But, you know, overarching thing is always reach out to someone, always kind of contact, you know, the various charities that are involved uh, that are kind of really kind of there for you to, to draw upon, to, to, to engage with and communicate your situation and to really get support. The Kent Online Podcast. With Ball in Maidstone. A Dover prisoner who spent 20 years on the run is back behind bars after setting up an anabolic steroid empire. Barry Doughty managed to get out of his cell and scale the perimeter fence of HMP Little Hay in November 1999. He fled to Europe before returning to Kent and was arrested in 2019. The 57-year-old has been sentenced to six years. Figures seen by Kent Online show income from the Dartford Crossing dropped by £47 million during the first half of the pandemic pandemic when journeys were restricted. It made £161 million from charges in the 12 months to the end of last March. However, data shows traffic levels between last June and December had already returned to 2019 levels. An Ashford car park that's been closed since September is going to reopen but with new technology as part of a cashless pilot scheme. The council's taken over running the Park Mall car park after the previous operator suddenly decided to shut the site. Well, when it opens in May, we're told the pay machines will no longer take cash. Drivers instead will be encouraged to use their bank card, phone or online account. A Maidstone dad who felt he was drifting apart from his wife after the birth of their second daughter has set up a support group to help others who don't know where to turn. Denver King from Lewes says he didn't know what support to offer when his partner was struggling with breastfeeding and getting enough sleep. Well, he started Dad Space last year to give other men the chance to support each other and already has hundreds of followers on socials. Well, I've been chatting to Denver on the very first Parent Mental Health Day. After the birth of our second daughter, my wife and I become quite disconnected. Um, just after the birth, um, my wife was struggling with uh, breastfeeding and um, and sleep. And um, I was obviously off work at the time as well to help at home. And um, yeah, we sort of we sort of drifted apart a fair bit. And I, I, as a dad, I didn't really know what to do to help. 
and I was sort of left a bit sort of thinking, well, if there was somewhere I could go and just talk about how I'm finding this, you know, I, I would then be able to just um, see the signs more and just talk to other dads about it. And, and maybe I can then help my wife more. So that's really what the idea originally started from that. I, I was asking the question, going, well, wish, wish there was a place. And then I started speaking, then I started speaking to my wife about it and um, one of my fr- one of my good friends. And they, and they both said, well, why don't you do something then? And I was like, yeah, OK. Towards the end of last year, I then launched the first Dad Space Meetup which uh, went very well. We had 15 dads. It was great, you know, and, and uh, the guys, they all um, opened up and shared their experiences in fatherhood um, really quickly. And, there was, and it was showed it was very much needed because um, there was things that they were obviously holding in. Especially for new dads, it's a brand new situation, not just for the mother, but for the father as well. Yeah. Do you think maybe men have just have been left to get on with it? And it's kind of like, it's assumed that you will know what to do and you will, you'll just, mm. you know, muddle along and, and you'll be fine sort of attitude. Yeah. I think I think so, yeah. And I think it's that classic saying uh, that's said to a lot of men is, uh, you know, man up, you know, get get on with it. And uh, and and, it, and this, it's a phrase that, that I don't particularly like and... And it's when you actually, when people say that to you, you say like, well, what do you mean when you say that? You know, and it's like, we, of course, we want to help. And, and obviously you, you want to you want to be able to give that support to the mother as much as you can. And um, and it's not that we, but sometimes we just don't know what to do. And um, by offering this this place for the guys to come along, they can, you, you, we're not we're not giving people the answers. We're not, you know, we're not saying, no, come along to this. We're going to give you all the answers and everything's going to be absolutely fine. But by speaking to dads, whether you're a, a, an expecting dad or your dad with teenage kids, it's very broad. And by talking to the other dads who, who've been through things, especially the younger ones, they'll be like, oh, OK, right. So I don't know what to do in this situation. And we go, oh, well, we had that problem. And then we tried this. And, it, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, OK, yeah. And then they feel a little bit better. Over the <laughs> pandemic, do you think that's kind of yeah. brought up some different issues as well? Because maybe children haven't had the same sort of routines or you've been at home with them more. From the previous two meetups, a lot of the conversations have been about the issues with um, with the pandemic, about being, especially being in the confined space home and trying to balance children trying to do their their working working from home from from a school point of view and you've got the dad trying to work you've got the mum trying to work and um yeah and there's and there's and there's so much pressure there you know on the on the household in, in all you know it's uh it's, it's it's been tough how important do you think it is to make sure that we are all looking after our our mental health and, and making sure that we're taking that time to to check on each other that that we're okay and that you know if we have got any problems we talk about them massively you know nowadays um and i, th- I think the, the it's getting out there more now the, the awareness people are starting to talk more and um i think with with the guys that that was the, is the, one of the biggest issues is that is that they don't communicate when they're struggling and and um and by and by by providing you know that, that things like this with dad space and that that you know that it will be the place where they can come along even if they don't want to talk, even if they just want to come along and just listen, you know, and then, and then they, they, they might find that's enough. Groups regularly meet up to share experiences. They will be meeting on Saturday at the Rockin' Robin pub in Barming from 10 in the morning. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Dad Space. Plus, if you head to Kent Online, we've got more details on Parent Mental Health Day and how to look after our own well-being. Kent Online reports. A former Canterbury schoolboy is going to be on Dragon's Den tonight looking for investment in his low-alcohol beer company. Mark Wong, who used 
used to go to St Edmunds set up Impossibrew in November 2020 after being told to stop drinking following a health scare. Well, he'll have three minutes on the show tonight to pitch the business to Dragons, including Peter Jones and Deborah Meaden. Huge congratulations to a group of Kent Scouts who've completed an Antarctic voyage. The team of 10 have spent 20 days at sea sailing a tall ship around the waters and islands of the Antarctic Peninsula before making their way to Argentina. Well, the group is aiming to help young people form friendships as well as learn about the environment and past explorers. Five Kent gastro pubs have been named among the best in Britain. The sportsman in Seasalter has taken sixth place in the Estrella Dam Top 50 Gastro Pubs Awards. The Fordwich Arms near Canterbury is eighth and the Kentish Hare in Bidborough comes in at 13th. The Duck and the Dog at Wingham were also on the list. Tickets have gone on sale today for a series of concerts at Moat Park in Maidstone this summer. Eight shows are taking place as part of Park Live with big names including UB40 and Catherine Jenkins. There'll also be other events including a glitter bomb. And Sigala's going to be on our sister radio station KMFM tonight. He'll be talking about new single Melody and his upcoming album. He'll be on the hit list with Numi from Seven. Kent Online Sport. Cricket to update you on today and England have suffered a 20-run defeat in their third T20 international against the West Indies. Sam Billings from Kent is in the squad but didn't play in the latest game overnight. The Windies are leading the five-match series 2-1. And Kent's Tammy Beaumont has been in action for the England's Ashes team overnight. They chose to bowl first in their only test match of the series in Canberra. Australia finished the day on 327 for seven and are currently leading 4-2 based on points. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site to do it. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can check out our latest Eat My Words review as reporter Rhys Griffiths checks out Betty's Pie and Mash Shop in Folkestone. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.